This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680-CJOB. Well, 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 midweek Wednesday, and we're playing Where is Waldo, a.k.a. Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth, both MIA on this June 21st. I don't know, maybe trying to get a leg up on the first full day of summer. I have no idea where those two clowns are. So it's Kelly Moore uh, in for Toth and Poitras on this Wednesday edition of Jets at Noon. And very pleased to be welcomed right off the top of the show by Shayna Goldman, who is with The Athletic, I think based out of New Jersey. But we never disclose Shayna's uh, actual location because she moves stealthily uh, around the continent uh, to bring great content on the National Hockey League uh, for The Athletic. Uh, Shayna, welcome to the show. And uh, I, I know you wrote an article, I think it was either Monday or Sunday, I don't remember which day it was, uh, but I thought it was great because, of course, all of our focus at this time of the year is on the draft and then uh, the uh, free agent market for July the 1st. Uh, but you moved the clock up even further and uh, looked at people that have a chance to sign extensions uh, after July the 1st and and who the big winners will be uh, in that category. And, and before we get to some of the names that are at the top of your list, I want to always connect the dots locally. So Connor Hellebuck. Uh, was one of the people who you mentioned in your outstanding article. Uh, maybe just share that with our listeners who haven't had a chance to read it yet. Yeah, so um, thanks for having me, by the way. Uh, the story is just focusing on, you know, everyone who can be who can be extended on July 1st. So, you know, next year's crop of unrestricted free agents. And it's a tricky one because, you know, if you're signing a player early, ideally it's, it's to get some cost effectiveness out of that contract right you know it's to beat the market beat rising costs and also have you know cost certainty so with Helen Buck it's an interesting one because we don't know where he's going to be you know in 2024 and goalies are the toughest to project we have the least information on them we don't see goalie trades featuring number ones often and we don't see you know these huge contracts handed out every day so for someone like Helen Buck you have to think the Andre Vasilevsky's of the world, they're kind of the model, which is you know max term eight years with a, you know around a nine nine point five million dollar cap hit. The difference though is the ages that Helen Buck will be signing his contract versus Vasilevsky, and mm-hmm. that brings in a ton of challenges because everybody knows, you know, for what we know of goalies, everybody knows that signing a goalie into their thirties for that much money and that much term can get really dicey. We saw it with Carey Price's contract. We're seeing it now with Sergei Bobrovsky's, despite his <laughs> recent run. And it comes at a really interesting time now off the heels of the Stanley Cup final where you have a team like Vegas that comes in without a true number one with a very cheap goalie. And it's going to make everyone question, do you need a true number one goalie right now because of recent trends? And, you know, there's reasons to say yes or no, depending on how the rest of your team is built. But I think that might challenge him going for that money and term elsewhere. Yeah, you know, and the NHL being a copycat league, uh, when a team is successful uh, doing it a certain way, everybody, I'm not saying there's the herd immunity type of thing, but uh, there certainly is more of a, uh, I guess, a temptation to go that way. You know, you mentioned Vegas winning the Stanley Cup with a carousel of goaltender Shayna, and even, you know, the Williams Jennings trophy winners this year by a long shot. You know, yes, uh, Leonis Allmark did play the majority of the games, but 
nowhere near workhorse category uh, when he shared the net with Jeremy Swayman. So do you see this maybe as the way things are going and how much does that cloud things for Connor Hellebuck uh, and his agent Ray Petko to uh, to try to uh, work a, a deal uh, that will allow the Winnipeg Jets to make a trade? It's funny this all happens right after we have Andre Vasilevsky win back-to-back Stanley Cups, right? When everyone's <laughs> talking about the power of a true number one goalie. So, you know, recency bias is really going to, you know, sway things. It always does. The thing with Boston is not every team that has the true number one is going to have a backup that can be a 1A somewhere else. So Boston's a tough example. They were elite everywhere. Mm-hmm. But it's goalies like... UC Soros and Sorokin and Shesterkin and, of course, Vasilevsky that are going to prove that a true number one is still valuable in today's game. It really depends on roster construction elsewhere. So while everybody wants to take notes from the winners, you have to be careful on how it applies to your team. The same is true when you look at Colorado last year, right? They had very good goaltending all year, but when it got to the postseason, they were getting below average goaltending through much of it. And, the reason that worked was that they were so elite up front and on the back end that they can make up for the fact that their goaltending wasn't perfect. Mm. Not everybody can do that. So that's going to be something really important to keep in mind too, on whether, you know, a team should be in the hunt for someone like Helen Buck or whether they can get away with less. Shana Goldman of the athletic uh, is our guest. Uh, So Connor Hellebuck in around that nine to nine and a half uh, million dollar range, uh, and a deal would have to be done ahead of time with a, a team that he would agree to go to in order to uh, allow the Jets to make that deal. It's pretty much the same thing with Pierre-Luc Dubois, who uh, was not on your list, Shana, but kind of falls into that category as well. Uh, you know, because uh, let's face it, uh, you know, he, he could sign an extension uh, after July the first to sign and trade uh, for the Winnipeg Jets. Do you think that? Going for eight and a half to nine million dollars uh, has has perhaps priced him out of the market, or from what you see from the trends, is Pierre Luc Dubois and his uh, agent uh, Patrick Brisson right on the money with that? Um, that's a tough one. I think you're asking for the higher. Look, it's a negotiation, so you have to start with that highest end of your range because there's a good chance you're going to settle below that. And I think that's something that's pretty widely understood by teams that if he's asking for that, it's not necessarily the final number that they're going to get to. I think if you're going for Dubois, you have to go with the sign and trade for one Winnipeg wanting to maximize the value Two, the certainty he's going to want to stick with your team and play. I know that, you know, it's, it's such a controversial one always when a player speaks out and says what they want, where they do or don't want to play. And I do understand that to a point, but this is someone who does want to have control of his future. And because of the current free agency system, this is what he needs to do to get that. So if other teams can accept that and, you know, play ball, I can see him getting to that higher end. The interesting thing is his contract projections, if you were to sign an eight-year deal, let's say, uh, what his value would be this summer, according to Evolving Hockey, would put him around a $7.9 million cap. Yeah. So that $8 million range makes sense. The $9 million, I think, is kind of reserved for a tier above him. And it, it works for him. He's coming off one of his best seasons. But I think the $9 million tier is just a little above his pay grade right now. That should be reserved for the higher end forward. That, that, that's in the here and now, though, from the you know, Dubois camp's perspective, though. Four or five years down the road, when the salary cap has grown more than the $83.5 million it'll be for the coming season, maybe $9 million won't 
you know, won't resonate the same way that you just uh, very uh, accurately described it. Shana, just uh, in the last couple of minutes we have, I want to get to your list now. And uh, clearly, uh, and I don't think anybody could argue with your top two selections of Austin Matthews and William Nylander as having the potential to have the biggest paydays uh, by signing extensions after July 1st. Yeah, uh, you know, the, the Maple Leafs love them, hate them. They're never boring. They're always <laughs> going to keep you on your toes. We can't not talk about them. But the Austin Matthews one is one of the most interesting situations because it does seem like he's someone that does not want to sign max term if he doesn't have to. And it can start a new wave for the NHL. We really don't see it often. When the you know cap initially was flat, we saw some restricted free agents push for those two- or three-year deals because it didn't make sense in a flat cap world to sign those massive extensions, especially when most teams didn't have room for them. So with cap growth in mind, he would be smart to maximize his earnings, sign a short-term deal, and then go for one more big contract after that. But then you have the question of what that could look like, because it's going to be raised from what he makes right now, and he's already one of the higher-paid players in the league. It really wouldn't be surprising to see a contract that kind of pushes towards that you know, $15 million range on average, which seems so wild in what we know the NHL to be, but it's not a bad thing if, you know, teams pay their stars. That's what it should be. As much as we can all knock the Maple Leafs for some things that they've done, it does make sense that they pay their highest players like it, and then they find minimum contracts to support that. If Matthews and Nylander can maximize their contracts, that trend maybe others can take notes from when they find more success. But when you have that Matthews deal, if you get to that $15 million range, you have the question of whether they can even afford Nylander at all, who could be pushing for $9 million himself. Yeah, and then that opens the door for teams with cap room for sure. And that'll be an evolving story. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll have a chance to catch up with you later on this summer. Shana, thanks a bunch for the time uh, and really appreciate the article uh, that, that you wrote. Uh, a great insight there. Thanks for having me. You bet. Shana Goldman of The Athletic. Uh, you know, talking about July the 1st, and uh, it'll be interesting to see because, of course, we always think of these salaries, the here and now. But what about four or five years down the road? And, and like Shana just explained, it might be in the best interest of a player like an Austin Matthews to go for four or five years as opposed to the max eight. We will continue with more here on Jets at Noon, a quick sports update, and then a couple of local names on the Hockey Hall of Fame 2023 ballot. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Kelly Moore in for a Wednesday afternoon edition of Jets at Noon. Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth. I, I think they return tomorrow. I hope they return tomorrow. You hope they return tomorrow. <laughs> I know that. Hey, uh, w- w- and this next segment, I want to preface it, okay, by saying these are just some things. I've had uh, the last uh, few weeks or so just to kind of mull over in my mind. It's not as busy for me uh, in the hockey offseason as it is once the the jet schedule gets up and running. So I I am not an insider. I am so much on the outside, it is not even funny. I have to beg for the Winnipeg Jet. No, I'm just kidding. I don't have to beg for them to take my calls. But trust me, Kevin Shoveldayoff has never uh, never taken or even... Uh, listen to one word of advice or one word of opinion that I have ever shared, I'm sure. But I was just, I, I thought these are feasible. And if you disagree, 
204-780-6868. You will not hurt my feelings if you say more. You are so far out to lunch that uh, it's now breakfast time. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, this name hasn't been mentioned at all. We've heard about the, you know, the, the, the potential, uh, the great potential for the Winnipeg Jets and the Los Angeles Kings to do something uh, with Pierre-Luc Dubois because that's one of the the teams that uh, Dubois has on his list that he would go to. There hasn't been a lot of mention of anybody beyond Los Angeles and Montreal. I'm sure there are others, but uh, the information on that list has been kept fairly tight. You know, and we've heard the names of Quinton Byfield and, and Gabe Velarde mentioned there. Uh, and, and those are all possible. But what if, you know, the Winnipeg Jets use some of the proceeds uh, that they received, whether it's for Pierre-Luc Dubois, whether it's for Connor Hellebuck, uh, possibly Mark Scheifele. I don't know uh, if Mark Scheifele is going to be uh, one of the players that, that the Jets deal. Maybe something can be done there. Probably it's best, I think, in, in both scenarios, uh, if he were to move on. Maybe just a, I, I Mark Scheifele is a, just a heck of a guy. And, uh, you know, you, you wish nothing best for them. You'd love that best to be in a Winnipeg Jets uniform. Uh, but it is a business at the end of the day. But anyway, uh, and of course, then there's Blake Wheeler. I don't know how much the Winnipeg Jets, quite frankly, are going to get for Blake. I think it's just trying to find a location and then to absorb the uh, the least amount of retained salary uh, in that situation. But what if you were able to use some of the assets that you did uh, accrue in these deals? And now you go through the list of restricted free agents and teams with cap issues. And this one name keeps jumping up at me. Is he in the Pierre-Luc Dubois and Mark Scheifele category at this stage of his career right now? No. And maybe he might not be. But in the ever-ending quest to be a more difficult team to play against, would would a guy like Ross Colton of the Tampa Bay Lightning not be someone that you 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 take a look at uh, because Tampa Bay uh, even if they use the LTIR from the uh, remaining year on the Brent Seabrook contract uh, they would have seven point three two five million left and they have six spots to fill now Tanner Janot who they paid a lot for to Nashville uh, is going to take up. I would say, a good chunk of that remaining cap space. And the Lightning really value Alex Kalorn, even though he's getting on. But they'd like to keep him uh, as a piece to the puzzle. So there might, as much as they'd love to also have Ross Colton, it's just economically impossible. Now, he's not the same size as as Shifley or, or, or Dubois. Six feet, 195 pounds. Almost 27 years old. He's a left-shot center. Uh, but coming off of a couple of decent years, 16 goals, 32 points this past season, and 22 goals and 39 points the year before. Playing on a uh, on a championship-caliber team. Now, Tampa Bay looks like they might be at the end of the run going out in the first round of Toronto. But anyway, Ross Colton is, is one of the names that really jumps out at me. I don't know if you would agree or not. Um, let's just uh, read here. Uh, okay, uh, somebody said, hey, you're the best guy, sports guy on radio. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Chris says, uh, Jim and Cam remind me of Mr. Rourke and Tattoo <laughs> on Fantasy Island. Oh, Chris, I love those creative digs every once in a while. I know Jim and Cam would too. Now, 
we we mentioned this actually during our chat with uh, Shana Goldman. You know the goaltending situation. You know it's kind of the chicken and the egg theory. Uh, before you added another goaltender, you'd have to be certain or already have uh, traded Connor Hellebuck. But we also know that the Boston Bruins are in salary cap hell as well. Just 15 players signed and only 4.9 million cap space available to them. And Jeremy Swayman is a very value-restricted free agent. So you say, okay, well, Boston nor Tampa Bay... You know, they, they can't take on more salary, so, you know, what are you doing more? You know, as much as they'd love Shifley or Hellebach or Dubois. No, but what you could do, though, is if you picked up assets, be it a first-round draft pick, a, a high second-round draft pick, could you then maybe use those to trade to Boston and to Tampa Bay or or a, a, a very cost-effective contract like a Logan Stanley, like a Ville Hainola, you know, and and sort of involve a third team, and we're and I think because of the way the salary cap situation is, only going up to eighty three and a half million this year. Uh, that hasn't been made official yet, but it's kind of you know almost rubber stamped. Is that that you're going to have to try to find teams with different needs in order to achieve the final goal? So would it be that bad to trade, say, if you picked up a second round pick and then a prospect? To Tampa for a Ross Colt, would that be overpaying? You know, I I don't I don't think it would. I don't know how Kevin Chevaldeoff feels about something like that. But and that is just an example. Please, this is not a case of hey, the Jets are in on Ross Colton. No, I don't know that. I'm just using that as an example of what could be on their shopping list. You know, you look at the Rangers. You know, they have just under 12 million in cap space available. And only have 14 players signed. So can they keep both Alexi Lafreniere and Keandre Miller? You know, is that a potential training partner for the Winnipeg Jets? I'm sure the Rangers uh, don't want to move either one of those guys. But they might not have a choice because of uh, where the salary cap is. You know, and again, I, I'm thinking there's no way the Edmonton Oilers would want to do this either. But what about somebody like Ryan McLeod? You know, he uh, the, the the Oilers seventeen players under contract, six million in cap space available. Now they've talked about you know Kaylor Yamamoto maybe moving his contract uh, to uh, achieve more cap space, but they need to sign Evan Bouchard. And coming off the playoff and end of the regular season that he did uh, as a playing partner with Matthias Ekholm. You know, that's going to take up a lion's share of that $6 million remaining in cap space. So, you know, from the Oilers' perspective now, they, they'll have LTIR to dip into as well. Uh, but over the long haul, and keeping in mind that it's, you know, it's two or three years down the road, you've got McDavid and Dreisaitl that you have to, to think of. And from the McLeod, Ryan McLeod perspective, I mean, guy skates like the wind. He's a very reliable player in all three zones. He's not an offensive dynamo. But then how many offensive opportunities does he get playing behind McDavid and Dreisaitl? And these, you know, a Ross Colton or a Ryan McLeod are not going to be the end-all or be-all, the, the Mr. Fix-its. But again, if you're looking at one of them, to help you become a better and harder team to play against uh, while you're developing a Brad Lambert, while you're developing a Chaz Lucius, 
Well, maybe you're looking at moving Cole Perfetti to the middle. These are just some ideas that I, I thought might uh, might be on uh, the uh, the radar of Kevin Sheveldayoff. Another name that kind of springs up is Yegor Sharangovich of New Jersey. Now, he only played in three of the Devils' playoff games, um, you know, the 12 that they played in uh, over the course of the postseason. And again, you know, the numbers take a little bit of a beating because you're behind Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes. Uh, so, you know, his his offensive stats, 53 goals and 106 points in 206 games, uh, certainly don't jump off the page. But he, again, he's a he's a decent size, 6'2", 195, only 25 years old. We mentioned Colton, almost 27. You know, Ryan McLeod's going to be 24 at the start of the season. So these are all guys that, you know, are, are restricted free agents. Uh, and, and perhaps you can do a, a deal uh, that, uh, you know, brings a little bit of clarity as far as how long they're going to be with your franchise uh, and also fits into what you want to do as a franchise. So it'll be interesting to see how all of this plays out. But, you know, again, it's not just that, well, you know, how could you trade with this team when they don't need this? Well, then you find a team whose needs fit that. Then you use the assets uh, to uh, accumulate what you're looking for from the other team. Uh, Man, I'll tell you, I would love to be uh, sitting in some of the uh, the meetings uh, that are going on right now. A quick text here at 204-780-6868. Then we have to take a break. Uh, the Jets' drive to regain 3,000 season ticket holders has gone over like a lead balloon. Well, do you know that? Do you know that for sure? You know, it's one thing to say this on show, social media, but do you know that it's gone over like a lead balloon? Do you have verified information on that? Um Let's see, elitism by OB and ignoring dissident views started when Kelly Moore asked participation by fans in the post-game show broadcast. Uh, okay, well, that's, uh, that's fair, Jimmy. Uh, if you, uh, you, know, you want to put the blame on me, I've got broad shoulders. Uh, we have uh, uh, gone the route of having people that understand the game and have played the game or have coached the game uh, and are involved with the game on a on a regular basis uh, to use their opinions, uh, but uh, you know I I I'll, I'll accept your uh, your blame, pointing the finger at me. That's fine. Uh, hopefully neither of these players are in the plans that you just talked about. No, oh, okay, there you go. Uh, so, who should be in the plans then? Who and and what's a reasonable get as well for the Winnipeg Jets? 204-780-6868. Kelly Moore in for Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on this Wednesday edition of Jets at Noon. Jets at Noon on 680-CJOB. Kelly Moore in for Cam and Jim and... uh, Holly called in, didn't want to go on the air, but just wanted to, to be wished a happy birthday. So happy birthday, Holly. Uh, back to uh, the text line, 204-780-6868. Uh, Richard says, Kelly, best thing they ever did was remove the call-in from the Jets after the show. Love hearing from the fans, uh, but there is a time and a place. And uh, it'll certainly, uh, via the, the text, uh, uh, is is one uh, avenue. And that's why we do that on Jets at Noon. It's a, it's a good uh, a platform in order for you to be able to express your opinion. Uh, Jonathan says, hey, Kelly, got to love those keyboard warriors. I appreciate you are offering informed and thoughtful ideas about the next steps for the Winnipeg Jets, regardless of whether I agree with them or not. Uh, you're making for an entertaining and thought-provoking lunch hour. Thanks a bunch for that, Jonathan. I really appreciate that. 
Uh, somebody also said, uh, texted in and said, well, why doesn't CJOB do a deep dive into how the season ticket campaign is going for the Jets? Thank you. Sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees. Uh, uh, definitely going to check that out and see uh, if we can get any information uh, offered to us. Uh, wouldn't you think the Jets would do something before the draft? I think they'd like to, uh, but whether that's attainable or not uh, remains to be seen. Uh, you know, the uh, the Dubois camp, as we uh, uh, discussed with Shana Goldman in the first half hour, are, are looking for somewhere in the high 8 to low $9 million range. Uh, for an eight-year max contract, uh, because it would be a sign and uh, trade, sign and trade rather, uh, that would have to be executed by the Jets. So I'm sure they'd love to uh, do something uh, before the draft uh, and have the draft capital available to them. So perhaps they could maybe do some of the deals uh, that we were just talking about, or you know, they, their scouting department, whether you uh, uh, are down or still very much on board with the Jets at this particular point, I don't think you can argue with the fact that their scouting department uh, has uh, done an outstanding job led by Mark Hillier. He's not the only one, but Mark uh, uh, leads the uh, the pro scouting department uh, and the amateur scouting department, rather, uh, and uh, they have done an, uh, an excellent job. Mark Hillier, amateur scouting. Uh, Mike says, isn't the second biggest jet story after roster management given express player desire to move and contract alignment. Uh, I would say so, but you know, it's not exclusive to Winnipeg and I'm not trying to be an apologist here, uh, but more and more, I think uh, with the Canadian teams, uh, but uh, you know, this was a solid run that this particular core had. And we have all been advocating for there to be change. So while it is a big story, I don't, at least in my opinion, I don't think that any of this should be a big surprise. I think, you know, when the Jets did not accomplish what they wanted to last year, that that screamed out for change. Kyle says those three guys would be great ads for the Jets, Kelly. And Kyle, I just want to clarify that I'm not saying you could add all three of them I'm just saying, are those not the kind of players you might look at, you know, to uh, to be out to be able to keep the needle moving forward? Because you still have excellent excellent pieces in the lineup with the Nikolai Ehlers and the Kyle Connors and the Cole Perfettis, uh, you know. And if you're able to re-sign Nino Niederreiter after July the first, uh, possibly extend him and prevent him from going into unrestricted free agency. Um, Kyle also says uh, Colton McLeod, Sharon Govich would be a great third line. Well, they're all centers, so I don't know that you'd uh, put them as a third line. And I think Adam Lowry with Mason Appleton and Morgan Barron really makes sense as a good third line. Uh, I think Sharon Govich would be the only one available. Tampa and Edmonton will figure out a way to keep those guys. You know what, uh, Kyle, you could be absolutely bang on. I'm sure they would love to do that. Buddy. Boy, I'll tell you, because Bouchard is going to be the the, the greater uh, priority uh, for Ken Holland over Ryan McLeod. It all depends on whether they're able to offload contracts or not. Uh, Fraser says, what about taking a shot at Barbashev as a free agent? I'm sure, you know, we were talking more about what you would trade for restricted free agents. wasn't into the UFA conversation, but yeah. Uh, it, the big thing is Vegas wants to keep him. And we all know that Vegas has done a pretty good job of uh, of staying afloat. 
Uh, but yeah, Fraser for sure. Barbashev would be a guy that I'm I'm guessing that the uh, Winnipeg Jets would love to get their hands on if they were at all able to do that. Uh, I feel we don't have proper direction from True North. Kelly McCrimmon for Director of Hockey Operations. He's the general manager of the Stanley Cup champions. Uh, he's not going anywhere. Uh, Hellebuck for Leo in Edmonton. Oilers need a top goaltender. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think Leon Dreisaitl uh, is going anywhere. Uh, uh, hi, Kelly. Wasn't any journalist from CJOB interviewed or why hasn't any CJOB uh, journalist interviewed True North Sports and Entertainment to get an update on the effectiveness yeah, on the effectiveness of their most recent marketing campaign for season tickets? Uh, you know that's a great idea, and I'll I'll plead guilty. You know we get so sidetracked by the player and hockey operations end of the thing. That's that's a good call to make, and I will. I'll report back on another edition of Jets at Noon. 